Hey friends, it's your death sentence for this week. Uh, firstly, a well, a couple of requests. Uh, firstly, please subscribe to the Patreon. Um, we're both under a lot of threats here. Uh, I, I'm Brexiting pretty soon, Brexiting hard. Uh, Langdon could be engulfed in Civil War too. We need to go to the mall, not the good mall, like the C-grade C mall in town, and get some anime swords from the shop that mostly sells like good like steak knives and also does key cutting um we've been there before we've tried to get swords based on the fact that we're very good content creators there was some things said between us and the guy at this at the place in the mall um won't repeat that but basically the vibes there are fucked we're gonna have to pay full price to buy anime weapons to protect ourselves Okay, so we need you to go to the Patreon. It's, it's patreon.com forward slash death sentence and give generously if you want us to live for the next few months. Uh, secondly, the album Free, that's III by Crowhurst, so fucking good. Oh my god. And it came out in April and I we both missed it. Everyone missed this album because, um, well, various factors. The, another case of people being not very chill not being good bros to each other like they should and you know things became fucked vibes again fucked up so i'm gonna ask you to go on Bandcamp, go go to the uh crowhurst band camp and buy that album because it's so good just listen to it it's on spotify too you know give him like a fraction of a tenth for a penny um and I ask specifically because uh, Jay Gambit from Crowhurst is our guest today. He's a good fella. He's made at least 75 albums, most of them horrifying sheets of noise. Uh, love him to bits. Great guy. So give him, some, uh, give him some of your money. Give us some of your money. Now, here's the theme tune. And after that, we're going to be talking about noise. <laughs> That would be tight. Yeah, I mean, we, we already hate our um, all our listeners, and I think the next step of that <laughs> is just to, just to record harsh noise and scream at people on the floor good. covered in diarrhea or something. It would be good if we recorded one episode and still titled it like it was a regular episode, but it was just noise. <laughs> but like an hour. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and you could put little bits of our voices in there just so people think this. They're kind of getting a podcast, even though it's like just and <laughs> it's doable. Yeah, yeah noise noise is definitely doable. I'm, I have no musical talent at all, and I've made several noise albums in my life. So um, I think I think everyone who's into metal has made at least one noise album. Yeah. Uh, whether you're the type of person who should release those noise albums is is, is a whole separate thing. But like I've made. An, uh, I made a noise record suite when I was I had, younger. I had yeah, I had I, several on uh, an old laptop that got stolen, 
possibly stolen by other musicians jealous of my genius. So, yeah. I think uh, that's the whole, like, idea that metalheads, uh, a lot of metalheads have made noise-adjacent stuff, whether it be jamming or otherwise, and the difference between that and, like, the people who end up making noise as a genre, I think is an interesting discussion for the podcast. <laughs> um, just because I I remember I, I started doing this and bringing it into the metal, like, metal world, so to speak, um, by forcing my way onto metal shows. And every show, without fail, there'd be some guitarist who was like, yeah, man. Oh, I love this stuff. Uh, we, we before practice, me and my buddy will just jam through all the pedals all for like an hour. It's amazing. I didn't know anybody actually listened to that stuff though. Um, and like the difference between like some someone like that and maybe like a Kevin Drum, who has who will spend maybe sixty hours on a composition, who is very clearly not just fucking around through some pedals. Um, I think that's a that's an interesting uh, topic because I think there's a lot of people out there right now who are like, all right, so this noise thing's blowing up, but I made a noise record once. I don't have musical talent. What's the difference between me and someone like, let's say, Lingua Ignota? Uh, because, and, and I think a lot of people need to be sat down and be like, look, what Kristen does and what a lot of people in the genre do is not just some noise thing that you fucked around with and it, like it 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 requires very specific musical skills that aren't traditional compositional uh things that are taught they're mm. they're just they're you have to have an innate sense of tonality and an innate sense of atmosphere an innate sense of pacing um, and it's more than just tuning your fucking guitar, which is what I think a lot of people believe that noise is. And another difference between most people and Lingua Nota is you can't sing like a fucking angel and a demon at the same time, and you're not like an insanely talented vocalist, probably. Unless you are, yeah. in which case, kudos. Yeah, but, uh, but I mean, it goes beyond that. That's, you know, I think it just leaving saying well the thing that sets her apart from everybody else is that oh she's just singing over people tuning up it's basically like kind of how that feels when mm -hmm. when people are just like oh yeah that's why she's great is because the the vocals it's like everybody's it, then what about pharmacon like mm -hmm. what about prurient what about all the like like people who who i, I love seeing people who would jock like hoax and all these other hardcore bands and then be like fuck noise and it's like bro fucking <laughs> you do realize that margaret did the first and last track on that record right like you know you got you got to understand like all these scenes are deeply entwined intertwined now mm. uh but well, we also have um so I, I spend a lot of time writing about this kind of stuff and it's insane to me the number of people who will have their minds blown by the thing i'm about to say because it feels very obvious is that there is to piggyback what you were saying there's a lot of parallels with say like um with ambient records uh with mm -hmm. uh 
neoclassical work, um, like that kind of, especially stuff that sits outside of a normal tonal range, is it? it's still composed in very much the same way. It's just you're no longer thinking in terms of purely um, the most direct form of like, that's a major chord, that's a minor chord, I got to move them in this way. What's some good voice leading? Like none of that standard stuff, but there's still the only reason why we developed that sense of composition is because we were chasing after this subtler thing that's harder to describe to people, which is chasing the emotional timbres and colors of this sound set is happening. And a chord is just a type of sound set, but anything can be a set of sounds that generate a feeling, a color, a field. Um, like we have Stockhausen stuff that does that. We have early tape music from... Also, yeah, bringing up to people that, like, noise music goes back to the fucking 20s. Like, yeah, we, we have music concrete. Shit. Yeah. Um, like, Edgar Varese uh, made tons of noise records, and those are widely claimed by academia, and some of them are, like, like a lot of noise records, there are noise records that are extremely listenable and noise records that are exceptionally challenging. They Because it's a, yeah, a field of making music. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, I jammed the recording button on uh, sometimes, but... Uh, oh, yeah, I, we, we are catching this. I had no clue if we were recording. We oh, just sorry. kind of hopped in. Yeah, so uh, it's kind of like, um, there's a, um, like a voice that comes on when you start recording that says, recording... Now recording. Oh, yeah, now recording. <laughs> Except uh, I think we were talking over it, so no one heard that. But yeah, we, the the mic is hot. So if anyone says any oh. slurs, then um, we no come. gamer words. Don't do that. <laughs> um, but no uh, gamer words. But yeah, yeah, we have. If if you have a heated moment, hit mute on your mic. Um, yeah, <laughs> you, you stub but, your toe and and you need to cry out. Uh, you know, one of the gamer words. Then just keep keep that on your end. We can't because we'll we, yeah we'll put it out live. But um, we have we have a lot of we have a lot of comparisons like. Uh, Likewise, one of the things that makes, say, something like deeply progressive music harder for some people to get into is it chases after that same kind of thing. It's no longer about necessarily, you know, this chord normally follows this chord or this kind of melody is the normal kind that you're used to hearing. But it's still built around that same, all music is built around that same thing of chasing after what moods complement or contradict other moods in satisfying ways and develop towards this image. And once you have that in your brain, noise records are no longer like inscrutable and impossible to approach. You, you'll then find like, oh, that one's not very good because it's uh, messy in a way that doesn't build to anything. Meanwhile, that one is fucking great. Like Pharmacon's fucking incredible. She's so mm. goddamn good. Um, Meanwhile, you know, the sort of running joke that, like, if you think Merit's bow is great or terrible, you're stupid because he's been both. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's it's just kind of like saying I have a very strong opinion on Woody Allen. It's like, I mean, you can have a strong opinion on Woody Allen as a person, but the dude made like 150 fucking movies. You got a strong mm. opinion on all of them that's that crosses across. I mean. It, yeah, <laughs> a movie's not made by one person. You can like you can like the writing and cinematography of a movie and, and not like the director or the direction. Um, and 
that's okay. Uh, but I think a lot of there, there's a lot of people who write shit off just on name alone, like you said, uh, without really kind of digging in. Um, yeah, it's like there's a reason why Merritt's Bow is like the beginner's noise artist for a lot of people because he does he's reached his tendrils out to so many other different groups that if you're already into punk or extreme music or experimental music, you can find a record that he's collaborated with someone that you like. Mm. And that record yeah, will normally be pretty good. Yeah. Um, one, yeah. Full of Hell was fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. one, his several with Boris are great. Mm. Alter, uh, the one alt, uh, Alter that he made with uh, Sun. Mm-hmm. Or was that Sun and Boris? No, that, that was Sun and Boris. He hasn't worked with oh, okay. Sun, as far as I know. Alter is a really good record. That's not Alter's related to what we were saying, but yeah. Oh, but um, yeah. So he has all these different collaborations that can lead you in, and then you can find like a great record, like Aqua Necromancer, which is you know, spectacular, or like his pop hit Pulse Demon, which I find <laughs> is the funniest goddamn like pop noise record. But um, but like even a lot of early industrial stuff, like early Throbbing Gristle. It, um, even a lot of regular throbbing gristle sort of lives in the noise domain. So, uh, I, 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 oh, go ahead. So, Jay, who who got you into noise? Um, it wasn't any particular person. Um, I spent a lot of time listening to industrial music when I was a kid. Uh, stuff like Skinny Puppy, stuff like that, and. I was in a couple of bands and at one point I decided that I wanted to just do something left field Mm -hmm. and make weird sounds and have a project that would be whatever I wanted it to be. And there were people who I guess found that and said, Hey, we want to release it on tape. Mm -hmm. Um, Those were those first sounding session tapes. And little did I know that that would introduce me to the whole noise scene um i wasn't aware of what kind of like of a noise scene as it stood and i think Mm. when i came in it was the tail end around the end of the 2000s noise had kind of hit its peak in terms of uh that wave of popularity yeah you know Mm. the no fun fest folks had kind of stopped doing no fun fest and you start bloody minded stopped playing as much uh it just kind of that wave ended uh it seemed it w- almost seemed as though by the beginning by the end of 2011 everybody had gone away and moved off and gone to college except they had moved out of college and gone off and started families and stopped doing <laughs> you know uh and you'd still see people emerge about 10 years later but over the 2010 to about 2016, it wasn't very cool to be doing noise. Um, so I didn't have a lot of people who were active, who were big. The people that I had who were doing stuff were new. You had Swallowing Pile, Waves Crashing Piano Chords, kind of a whole wave of people who were coming up to uh, define what that sound was so i i kind of fell into that and that introduced me slowly but surely sometimes more slowly than other people would have liked to uh be hip to how the noise game works um 
you know, everybody seems to have crews and clicks and I never really was mm -hmm. into that. So I just kind of collaborated mm -hmm. with everybody, but the, it, it seemed to be very much uh, a scene that was protective and didn't want to have this kind of pure thing that was owned by the underground be exposed outwards and be tainted with uh, shit like guitars and other normie things. Um, unless it was done like emeralds in, in like a cool way, it was bringing like metal influences into it. It felt like uh, it felt very to a lot of people like being a culture, culture vulture. So they were kind of rejecting my the way I was coming in doing things while also, you know, kind of saying, well, you know, we don't want this and we want you, but we don't want what you're doing. So I kind of said, all right. Um, and I started working with other people and working on metal shows and forcing my way onto these metal bills. And that's how I got to, you know, end up playing our shows with, I was going over a list of shows we played uh, for our tour history. And like, we ended up doing stuff, reckon references for a show mm -hmm. in LA in a, nice. in a warehouse. Or we were the, yeah, in 2013, we were who got billed with the body when the body came through LA because who would, yeah, who, nobody else was doing shit like that. Cool. So, you know, that was, uh, that kind of got us on the track of going, well, this is what we were supposed, what we're supposed to be doing, like playing an old Chinese restaurant, playing the worst set I've ever played, an old Chinese restaurant in 2014 mm -hmm. or 2015 with Fall of Hell. Nice. Um, to, yeah, to like <laughs> 80 people. So it's, uh, you know, it was just a very different time. Yeah, so shit. So like ignoring all that scene bullshit and clickiness and elitism has actually turned out in making you a great musician and letting you play on cool bills with amazing artists. Wow, who shock I, and I'm awe. So I'm so <laughs> shocked that that happened. That's completely the opposite of what I would imagined. But uh, wow, we, you, you touched on a uh, a big pet peeve of mine that I that we see a lot. Um, that I'm going to be spare on because the people who do this are also very loud online, and I don't like talking to them. Um, but there's this weird valorization of these like deeply incestuous scenes, and you get. A mixture of some some good reasons when they're like, oh, well, you know, this thing has happened with these other people and that's why I don't like and you're like, that's totally fair. But then they also expect you to have like an encyclopedic knowledge of all of that. And they're like, well, why don't why don't you just ask someone if you don't know it and be like, I I'm asking you now and you're being extremely combative and I, I really just want to know <laughs> um, that. A lot if of times. If you told them, it wouldn't be good mm. enough for them. Oh yeah, yeah. Because at the end, at the end of the day, it's not about whether you know or not. They already know in their head, and they're just looking for a reason to poke holes in your boat. Um, and whether it's it's because they think that the publication that you write for is the enemy, or whether they think that you've done something or worked with somebody that makes you less cool or less credible, or you wore a fucking t-shirt. As somebody that they don't like, um, I had uh, I 
I've spent years wondering why a uh, certain profile of us was ultra backhanded. And I said, I don't know. I, you know, I had asked people and said, should I try and reach out and get it taken down? And they said, nah, you really don't want to have bad, ask for bad press to be taken down. I'm like, it's not bad. It was just backhanded. And I'm, I'm like, I, I don't understand why the guy's a good writer. And then I found out, I, I read a tweet about how if anybody says something nice about a specific artist, uh, they're on a list. And someone said, why? Are they a Nazi or is it because the this thing they this cover they did? And they said, No, they ripped off my girlfriend. Okay. They stole I know. Her, whole, her whole aesthetic, they stole it from her. And uh so I happen to of... know the uh the person and scenario that you're talking about, and I also was only told about that after a similar kind of like social faux pas. And someone got like kind of aggro with me in my DMs, and I was like, "Dude, you actually have to tell me this. I don't. I don't just know that. Like, I don't." Giving one slight more bit of info, I don't live in Chicago. I don't hang out with all the Chicago crew. I don't know the Chicago gossip. If there is some, and it's relevant to these kinds of social situations, I'll I'll respect that. But you have to fucking tell me. Like, I don't know this shit. I mean, and furthermore, I think. That ultimately, if you're assigned to do a piece on somebody and they are talking to you and let's say they say they're influenced or friends with somebody that you don't like, you don't turn that into a backhanded hit piece. Yeah, you I agree. Call, that's there's that's like shitty yeah, jazz, I mean, yeah. I, I would well, well, I would say go back and if there's a there's a piece that was done on us for a big publication where we the opening line was something akin to uh being cool is really important these days but here at publication we embrace the strivers and then proceeded to go on and misquote me a bunch of times and just say and use out of our conversation a lot of things that said uh where i said i could really use some help on things where they just made it seem like i was this you know, needy, uh, ill-informed idiot and uh, just a tryhard. And I remember when it came out, a bunch of people contacted me and said, what is this? And I didn't know why. And now I know. And, you know, that's the kind of shit you deal with on a regular basis where you find out, oh, so-and-so, uh, I, I, you know, doesn't like so-and-so or finding out, that two big bands in the scene don't like each other. And if one band comments on your page, the other band is going to say something nasty about you. As though you have any control over that. Um, and I, I mean, it's, we recently had a situation <laughs> and fuck it. I'll call them out. We had a recently had a situation where a big post punk musician had found out that we were signing to a label they were on. And uh, I had been talking to them and all this stuff. We have mutual friends. I guess they had seen that somebody they didn't like had commented on the announcement that we had done, because I had had a cameo video made where I had you know, gotten Bam Margera 
to announce oh, yeah, the, the new band I'm in yeah. got signed Found mm-hmm. Lord. Yeah. So this post punk musician makes a who is rather prominent uh, makes a uh, post that says it's a, it's sad when people you w- once respected exploit people with addiction for their own for their for their own laughs to uh, promote their album makes me sick. <laughs> and I, so I wake up to about 17 people sending me a message like, yo, this dude is, is clearly shade posting about you. So I sent him a message. I'm like, hey, uh, I understand that you like dealt with addiction. I dealt with addiction too. It's very, I made it very clear. This is what my lyrics are about. A lot of my songs are about this. I would never, I, I'm just a jackass friend. Um, you know, my parents met in recovery. Their response, I don't believe you. Nice. And proceeded to, like, I, I proceeded to explain, and they proceeded to challenge me. And it became clear, like you said, at that point where someone asked you, oh, well, you like Los Legions Norris? You like black metal? Huh? Name me Vlad Teeps's mother's maiden name. Um, you know, like, <laughs> you go, oh, you don't know? Well, I guess you're mm. falsy. Fucking culture <laughs> vulture. Uh, it was one of those situations where I realized right away there wasn't going to be anything I could say. At that point, I had made the list. Um, and I'm like, what is, what is this thing? And I realized, oh, this other musician they have beef with commented on the Instagram post. And they must have said, he must have said, oh, you're friends with my enemy. I'm going to blast you online. Like, I can control who the fuck posts. I mean, this is, again, these are the things that are being, like, that mm. go on. So yeah. it's crazy. It's high school bullshit, really. It's, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it, add on top of this, the fact that, like, I try to be mind-bogglingly open about this because it doesn't serve anyone for me not to be. But I tell people routinely, I'm on the spectrum. That means that these kinds of weird clandestine social things, not attacking why they exist. I'm certain you have your reasons, and I'm certain they work very well for you, and I don't want to attack that. I can't make heads or tails of them. You need to just discreetly contact me about this stuff if you see me doing something because I really can't parse it. And then again and again, people will say some shit like, well, you still should know. Like, I don't I don't see you're not you're not trying. And I'm like, you don't know. Literally, that's how my brain works. And like, you're just being lit. I'm like, no, look it up. It's on fucking Wikipedia, (laughs) fucking jackass. Like, you just want to be mad at people that like things that you don't like. And you may even have very good reasons for not liking them. You may actually be completely in the right, but you don't get licensure to act like a fucking prick. That's not what that is. I have a great example of, uh, of me being clueless that ties into all of this. Because ultimately, this, was, this, is, this is my cancelable offense. I'll lay it right out on the line right here. Um, many years ago, I was making a logo for a solo project. And I was looking up all sorts of cool sigils to lay on top of each other. From, and I found this site that had all these cool sigils from the anime Full Metal Alchemist. So I'm like laying them on top of each other and I'm moving them around. I'm layering all sorts of cool different pieces of symbolism and shit like that. And then like four or five years later, a bunch of people are like, yo, there's a fucking sun wheel inside of your logo and that's racist as shit. And I was like, 
no, that's from the <laughs> anime. And they were like, no, nah, dude, that's a, that's a racist thing. And I'm like, I'm a brown Jew. That's not even, <laughs> what? It was like, no, no, Shakira has it on her tour <laughs> merch. That's not, have, what? And they're like, no, nah, that's racist. Um, and by the time, <laughs> by the time it was a cancelable offense to have that on anything, uh, and it was widely known, it had already been two or three years since the album came out. So it was one of those things where I took everything down, but I didn't change the album covers that had them in the corner right area. Cause I said, it's embedded within seven different other sigils. And it was uh, built into like a full metal alchemist, uh, 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 like symbolism thing that I just thought looked cool. <laughs> Yeah, um, there's there's a whole lot of that that I I I've I've stopped even commenting when people like lose their shit over that stuff because I'm like this is this is going to be a never ending mm -hmm. battle. It it reminds me of like Baby's first racism call out, which is like you got to learn the wheels. That's fine, and learning certain things like these symbols occur a lot in racist things, so be mindful of them. They miss the second part, which is like they also don't originate there, so interrogate why they're showing up because sometimes you'll find things like it was put in full metal alchemist and i drew a bunch of full metal alchemist i drew from a bunch of full metal alchemist shit so it's like it's three degrees away from any any possible racism you're like man this anime about how they use dying universes to cast spells is pretty sick i'm gonna put that shit in there and they're like mm, i don't understand european symbolism but that shit looks pretty tight and Meanwhile, the guy drawing, it's like, man, I don't like brown people. And it's like, none of you know about that guy. Like, <laughs> you're not hanging out with him. It's all, um, a similar thing happened recently where someone said that they weren't going to listen to uh, Panopticon anymore because one of his records had a, a, a Triskelion on it. And they misidentified, they misidentified a Triskelion as a swastika. And I was like, man, I see what you're doing and I respect it. But... No, dude, dude no. Panopticon's been if an anarchist for like his entire career. He's only made music about labor right? struggles and stuff. <laughs> he says he says he says slightly chuddy like libertarian-ish shit sometimes, but that's some anarchists are gonna do that because anarchism in America was referred to as libertarianism until the 20th century. That's just a historical factoid for people who don't know that. So if you hear someone in a left space call themselves a left libertarian, they're saying anarchist. That was the traditional term. Um, I also run into that shit where people are like, left libertarians don't exist. And I'm like, read a history book, you fucker. You fucking stupid idiot. Or Google it. You don't even have to read that much. Just fucking Google the phrase left libertarian. It'll be like, up until the 1920s, this is the term that anarchists in America used to refer to themselves. And it's like, Jesus Christ, like, how are, how are you using social media and you don't Google things? They're on the same fucking phone. Like, you can't, yeah. they're right next to each other, you fucking idiot. Okay, so that's uh, um, a rad for the episode done. Uh, let, let's play some music, because, you know, it is all about the music at the end of the day, right? So, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to play some Jay's music here, because uh, in, in between the call-outs, he does make some. He has a, a put out the occasional album. Um, so this is off uh, Free. Is it just called Free? Okay, good. Yes. Uh, so it's so off Free. It's the um, fifth track on the album called Ghost Tropic. Uh, I believe there was a video put out uh, on it, and uh, the video looks cool as hell. So. 
Thank you. It was directed by Jane Payne, who did uh, the covers to the first two Pharmacon records and the cover to uh, the new Portrayal of Guilt record that's out on closed okay, casket, cool. I believe. But Portrayal of Guilt are very good. And did she do the what, the Pharmacon cover with all the fingers? Is that one of hers? Contact. Oh, yeah. I yeah. hate that. Uh, not on like a, a visual level, but I, I just like, <laughs> I, I get very... Uh, uh, it fills him it, with it revulsion. Yeah, it, it it does what it's. It was obviously supposed to make me grossed out, but and mission accomplished on that because the idea of anyone touching me for any amount of time <laughs> fills me with utter dread. So that album, yeah, that I, I I find it I find it incredible that a lot of that cover is more revolting to me than like the 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 big scandalous I'll, piss I was grave. Just one. about to say the exact thing. I could I I've gotten over the piss grave album now. I can look at that and I'm not like freaked out anymore. But I'm still freaked out by that Farmcom cover. So um, Jane is a huge talent. Yeah, She's she obviously. is a, a massive, massive talent, and I'm glad that uh, more of the artists that work within the experimental world are starting to be uh, recognized within a greater context. Because really, these scenes uh, at some point. You know, we end up looking at these scenes in retrospect, and we always end up going, gee, how are there only 35 people at, uh, you know, Keith Haring's show or something? And you're like, well, fucking, because nobody in the mainstream until someone like Madonna came along and said, we're going to put you on blast and give you a platform, was putting them on blast and giving them a platform. But the minute everybody saw it, all it took was the exposure for everybody to go, this this is, like you said, you know, more effective than the obvious. Um, and Kinda that's like, what artistry is, in my opinion. Like, I keep being flabbergasted in a really positive way that mainstream hip-hop is really oh, weird. Yeah. Like, right now yeah. it is fucking super experimental. And I'm like, holy shit, how is this a radio hit that fucking 15-year-olds love? This is awesome. Even when I don't like the song all that much, I'm like, the fact that this very strange music is penetrating. I'm like, oh, this is fucking yeah, tight. Like, imagine if you played Sicko Mode in like the 90s. They would have thought that was that came from the fucking moon. But like, there's weird avant-garde sound textures in the middle with just no vocals. Like, nah, look, weird, weird synth textures. <laughs> time, baby. And I'm like, what? This is a this is a fucking party song to people. Holy yeah, shit! I, I, like, I've not been to a club in this, this decade, but. People are dancing to sicko mode. That's it. like dancing to fucking uh, John Cage or something. But um, anyway, so we're gonna we're gonna play. I mean, oh, the, sorry, go on. The weird, okay, last oh, bit before then we played music. Oh, uh, oh I'm sorry. I, I was just gonna say the weird thing that uh, to me is that while, like you said, you know, it is incredibly strange that someone like JPEG Mafia, who ultimately had put out a noise record before. Um, has, uh, is now a mainstream hip hop artist. But ultimately when you look at the history of hip hop, even in the nineties, you look at like, uh, Dr. Octagon and some of the more left field stuff that was coming out at that time, this kind of avant-garde hip hop has always existed. If you look at the first, the first hip hop that you know, look at those records by The Last Poets and uh, I'm going to butcher the name, Lincoln Queasy Johnson. Uh, the, butchering the middle name, but Dreadbeat and Blood is one of, another one of the first like proto-hip-hop records. That's weird as fuck. 
Um, and we Earl have Africa Bombada. We have yeah. Africa Bombada who's sitting there being like, my biggest influence is our craft work. <laughs> and you're like, what? And he's like, I love Trans Europe Exp Express. That's a perfect album. I also love progressive yeah. rock. Um, <laughs> so it's it's just now that I think um, we've we no longer hip hop is one area that was ultimately dominated from the very start by major labels. Um, they came in and just took the whole thing over in the eighties, and whereas rock has kind of had a steady on much more steady underground, I should say. Uh, hip hop has been predominantly taken been taken over since you know the 90s by the big labels and once the big labels collapsed and we entered the mixtape era and the streaming era uh people like you know fantano had a lot more stock for in terms of who the labels are willing to give control to um, and if you look at like even Danny Brown's cover, the cover of the Danny Brown record, I think it was Atrocity Exhibition, oh, was yeah. done by uh, with the Tachyons Plus machine. And that Tachyons Plus, that's Logan, Logan Albemuth, who, uh, you know, is just a circuit bender dude within the noise community who made such amazing machines that he ended up transcending the community by doing stuff for, uh, you know, Gary Newman and ultimately giving his machines to people who make those al album covers. Like there's, there's this whole community now that is basically being fostered by the fact that the labels don't know what they're doing other than saying, look, you guys know the, you guys can go on the internet and find who is, you know, cutting edge, pay them and make something weird. And that's how you get like the Lamborghini high video or uh, Wyclef Jean video by Young Thug, two, in my opinion, two of the most insane videos. Like, you want to talk about weird shit to come out. Lamborghini High's video was entirely, I don't know if you've seen it, but it was just this entirely digital distortion video of, it was a hip-hop video that was just, imagine if you downsampled and downsampled and downsampled the hip-hop video and then layered it on top of itself four times. Or the Young Thug video for Wyclef Jean, where the whole plot of the video is that he didn't show up. He just, oh, the filmmaker films all this stuff waiting for Young Thug to show up, and he just never does. And he films the sequence of events, like, well, here's the shot where we're supposed to have the kids beating up the cop car with a baseball bat. Thugger threw, flew in this kid from Mississippi, never showed up to the shoot. Uh, next scene, he was supposed to show up to the pool, uh, the pool area. The director said, that, or the, uh, his assistant said he wanted that lady to be in a red swimsuit. I told him I'd fix it in post. And then the next shot is someone just boosted all the uh, reds and changed all the blues in the shot to red. So the sky changes. Um, you know, Vice were there shooting back behind the scenes. Here's some footage they took. And then it was just color bars with the uh, caption executive or manager yelling at director. Uh, it was this amazing video, but all these things couldn't exist if record labels didn't have absolutely no clue. Uh, didn't have an innate awareness of the fact that they had no clue what they're doing. And there's, therefore- there, there's, a, there's a Frank Zappa quote about that, that music was more adventurous, uh, ironically in 
the 60s and early 70s when it was a bunch of old dudes in big suits who saw these young kids making crazy music and were like, I don't know this at all, but I know that young kids are listening to it. Here's some money. Go make a record. And then when we hired people who were supposed to know what they were doing because they were from the scene, they started doing basically tastemaker bullshit where they were like, well, I don't I don't like that. So I'm not gonna. And it's like, you don't have to like it. You just have to think that other people will like it. It's like, yeah, but I don't. Mm. And it's like it, it's it, like you're saying it's it ironically sometimes work best works best when there's someone who doesn't know at all, but is like, you're getting a response. Here's some money. Go play. Yeah. Sometimes you, you get genius. Sometimes you get Old Town Road for 48 straight weeks breaking the Billboard hits. You know, look, um, Old Town Road is a perfect pop song. Yeah. I'm going to say it's it, a perfect pop it's song. A, it's a perfect pop song, but it also helped point out a very beautiful fatal flaw within our charting system, which is oh, yeah. that you can just do the remix thing forever and have the same song break, you know, break records. Like you can't. Uh, ultimately, since One Sweet Day, we haven't had a hit so monumental. And the fact that Old Town Road wasn't nearly as culturally impactful as One Sweet Day is indicative of the fact that that system needed to be changed. But until there was an Old Town Road to point out that gaping hole in the system, there would be no change in that system. And ultimately, those, those are the changes that we need in order to keep what shell of a music industry that I have to exist in uh left you know so so guys like me can chart and hopefully people like i hope to see full of hell within the next five years winning a grammy wow because they certainly move enough units they charted oh god yeah so why the fuck didn't they why aren't they at the grammys why aren't uh why why hasn't the vmas hosted a metal act since fucking limp biscuit <laughs> 2002 Limp Bizkit, also, that was the last time. A hot take that shouldn't even be a hot take. Limp Bizkit is terrible. I don't believe, I don't understand why people have hopped on this like Limp Bizkit is good. Yes, we all know Wes Borland is actually a talented guitar player, but not in Limp Bizkit. Like, are you lying to me? Why are you lying to me? What are you getting out of this? Okay, that's it. and on that point, uh, let's on that point, you. here is Ghost Tropic <laughs> by, by Crowhurst.
come back and uh, like talk about uh talk about basically that album and like your your metal work basically kind of or, or whatever we want to talk about okay yeah 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 or we'll try to you'll, you'll derail it into <laughs> whatever i don't know look yeah. that's the fun that's okay. that we like that plus i have to 
Crowhurst and I have a little bit of Twitter beef that we got to settle on here. <laughs> have we have we Twitter beef? Have I beefed with you on Twitter? You said the worst possible thing uh, to me on Twitter, and I've got to, in fact, let's lead in okay, with no, that. No, I, I want to hear this. <laughs> what did let's, I say? Catch me on the in record. The, in the, um, on the record, <laughs> in the spirit of accountability, what was the worst thing that he has said? Uh, Crow, uh, mm -hmm. Jay here, uh, who I'm going to refer to as Crowhurst, uh, because that's how that's his handle on Twitter, and my brain has fused the two, even though they are not the same. One is a group, um, but uh, said to me that uh, uh, symbolic by uh, death is terrible, and further, that everything after human is execrable. Just, just garbage. Okay. And did uh, I say, I'm, I'm. Uh, did I, I hurt, this? And I understand your pain, Jay. Can I, you, I'm, um, I am. Uh, I'm. I'm kind of dumbfounded, but I was probably sitting at my buddy Vince's house, who has a really, really strong opinion on death. Um, and I was probably like, "Yo, someone's talking about death on the internet. Which of those albums did I like?" And he was probably like, yo, you didn't like any of the albums after so-and-so. And I probably went, cool. And I typed that out, not knowing that that was like saying that Bolt Thrower wasn't good to some people. Um, Bolt which, by the way, I'm very them. pro Bolt Thrower. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'll exactly. kill them with I a spear. I'm gonna... I, I, didn't, I didn't know that like saying that certain death albums were better than others carried that much weight. Um, I just it makes me that... insane. Like... <laughs> I saw like, it. I started thrashing around, throwing bookshelves, <laughs> foaming at the mouth, pissing on the ground. My roommates were so angry, but they could not stop me. I would have covered them in piss. <laughs> you know what this is? This is this is me not being really uh, up on the things that are important on quote unquote metal <laughs> Twitter. Hanging out with a friend who is a metal journalist who is very up on what is going on on metal twitter going <laughs> yeah telos human is garbage um and i'm like yeah <laughs> yeah sure uh uh what was the one i the 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 yeah okay the my dying bride album i like was the with 43 something that's yeah that's sure 34.88 percent right? complete to be fair yeah, that record is tight it's really fucking weird but it's tight okay this it. makes I, more I, sense i have it I'm very easy to uh, to troll. You just tell me something like uh, like symbolic isn't a good album, and I absolutely flip my wig every time. I am I'm also easy to troll as I don't know what riles people up for the most part. I just kind of say shit that I feel, and everybody uh, like when it comes to that, like I my favorite Napalm Death record is Fear, Emptiness, Despair, and people lose their fucking mind about that. That and is a I'm strange like, record to have as your yeah. favorite one. I respect that because that's completely out of left field. I'm like, you're not lying. You can't be lying. No one's going to say that one is like a... That's not even a cred answer because no one's going to be like, yo, big ups to that. Meanwhile, I'm so, sitting here like, what songs are on that? I, I know I've yeah, heard it, but... <laughs> twist the knife slowly. Like, twist oh, the knife slowly. Yep, oh, that song's it, tight. Oh, it was on the Mortal Kombat okay. soundtrack. That was my introduction to, because I'm an industrial kid, my introduction to Napalm Death 
was the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. To be if fair, I that soundtrack do- was absolutely oh, yeah. fucking fire. And the main the main Mortal oh, Kombat yeah. theme is still probably the best piece of electronic music ever produced. <laughs> it's so uh, goddamn tight. Okay. And it was produced by George Clinton of wait, all wait, people. As in the Mortal Kombat theme tune? The like Mortal Kombat do 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 that was George Clinton? I believe he had a hand in what? it, if I remember the lyrics, or uh, not li- the liner notes from 15 years That's ago. insane. Uh, wow. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me. He was doing so much score work at the time, because that's where the money is. You know? Uh, if, if they're not paying you for, for albums, they're paying you for, for the movie. Because then you get to sell the score, then you get royalties every time the movie plays or sells. Oh, so, oh, I, it's I, no. So sadly, it's George yeah. S. Clinton who's a white guy. Oh, uh, fucking yeah. a! Right, that's like starring Johnny Depp with three P's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, this this guy has probably oh, that's terrible. on his name for a while. We're like, holy shit, we've got George Clinton producing this. Wow, this is gonna be funky. <laughs> it's like, all right. Why is your hand between George and Clinton like that? It looks like the words are really far <laughs> apart. Oh, no reason. I'm just resting. <laughs> See, this You're is like, the great you... thing. Pre-internet kids don't know about getting a CD going, holy shit, this was produced by George Clinton, and not finding out until fi- 15 years later that it was a different George Clinton. A guy who is white yeah. and not black. And you're like, that yeah. explains so much. Also, <laughs> In the nineties, you just you just like, oh shit, it's George Clinton. Here we go. Also, he did the uh, the, the score for Austin Powers. So that I'm also <laughs> looking at that. All three wow. of them. Yeah, he's got a very varied filmography here. He's he's only done like he's got awards I like how... for the um the soundtrack to the film Wild Things. Like, to be fair, he did. Uh... <laughs> He did hire Buckethead to play on the Mortal Kombat Annihilation Was soundtrack. Buckethead I think. around back then? I only heard of Buckethead through the yeah. like when he joined Guns N' Roses for a hot minute. D- Dog. Dog. Buckethead what? is 50. Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell. <laughs> yeah. Buckethead yeah. is 50. Has he been 50. around a while? His debut, his debut, like, regular, like, solo record was in 92. Jesus. Jesus. Also, he's put out <laughs> 307 solo wow. albums. Damn. Yo, that dude makes me look lazy yeah. as fuck. Yeah, no, Jay, come uh, on. What are you yeah, doing? He's... He could have put out like two albums while we're talking about And that's <laughs> solo albums. That's not that's not total albums. The man is also in like 30 bands. Bless him. Bless him. Gotta keep gotta keep that chicken on the table, man. Right? He, he's gotta have that chicken. Where's that chicken? Yeah, um, but good segue. Actually, I'm uh, I'm working on a movie score oh, right nice. now. Cool. Which movie? Uh, Aquaman two. Is it Aquaman um, two? Uh, I yeah. wish it's almost as good as Aquaman it, two. Um, Mortal Kombat story, three. They are actually remaking Mortal. Oh, they're they're making be Mortal Kombat, so that could happen. They are. That, I, that would, that's better than Aquaman two, though. I, I I would just like if anybody who's uh, the uh, music supervisor for that is listening to this podcast. Hi, um, no, uh, <laughs> it's, it's for a French documentary about uh, the people in the Appalachian Hills, and it's kind of like Gummo, but it's a nice. documentary. 
it's really, really thick. Um, and I'm working as, on it. As an Appalachian myself, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's um, it's about like the history of the land, the history of the people, and how uh, the land has ultimately been protected and the culture has been protected, and how that, you know, climate and government and business are ultimately encroaching in and destroying the culture. And it's just really, really yeah. fucked up. Um, but it's great because I had never... I'm not used to working with any sort of a budget to like have real creative freedom. So these guys were like, yeah, so we're going to fly you up to France to finish up the score. And uh, just, you know, if you want to spend a week in the editing room, just working on it, you can. And I went, oh, that's great. And I was like, I might need a crew. And they were like, yeah, sure. So I, uh, I'm going to be up there with Dwid from Integrity. Oh, hell and, yeah. Uh, Andy from Kina. And we are, uh, yeah. So it's going to be us three for a week, presumably, in France, uh, making a score to a movie. We're all, we're all film nuts. And it's just, you know, like, like we were talking about with Buckethead, um, the just doing a million things you got to put you got to you know the buckets the buckets ain't free you got to buy the buckets kfc never sponsored that dude and kfc never sponsored me and i gotta eat so uh you know i've been KFC, reach out to my boy give my boy some chicken (laughs) seriously he'll Uh, mention you in the liner notes he'll be like word up to the truest chicken factory kfc gotta put popeye on on check they're all hot right now because of that sandwich. They gotta, they gotta hop back into the culture game. If anybody who is the music supervisor at KFC is listening mm-hmm. to this, um, <laughs> hi. Also, uh, the I remember, just remember, Wendy's put out that mixtape. It was fire. Hamburger Helper put out that record. It was fire. It was uh, fire. Burger, you know, Burger King. Almost put out that record, but then they got sued by the Slipknot guys, and then the one dude couldn't come down from Canada to tour it because he had a DUI. But they almost put out that record. KFC. <laughs> That's an even better out. story. Their failure to put out a record is uh, one of the best uh, best tales that I've ever heard. It's great. Also, imagine <laughs> imagine just waking up, turning on TV, seeing five guys in chicken masks playing heavy metal and going. They're ripping off my gimmick. They're infringing my copyright. Get my lawyer on the phone now. That would not have gone insane from too much money, uh, which would make me more upset if not for the fact that their records have been getting better over time somehow. I don't <laughs> understand that, but you know, whatever. That is what it is. Um, that's the that world is, we that live is in. That's such a hot take. That is the such newest. A hot take. The newest the Slipknot album is uh, okay. To be fair, Iowa is 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 their best one, duh. But thank you. The new right, one, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah, duh. <laughs> but their new okay. one's really goddamn good. Um, it's 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 good. It's I wouldn't say it's really goddamn good because ultimately that okay, it, that's that's fair. It's it, good. It's better than I was expecting for a Slipknot album in 2019. The way I like to view Slipknot is in the same way that uh, John Lovitz approached a journalist when being told, uh, questioned about Scary Movie. The journalist turns to the guy from Scary uh, jur- The journalist turns to Lovitz and says, 
all of your films seem to be terribly rated. In fact, uh, this little Nicky movie that you're in now is being considered like one of the worst movies of all time. And Lovitz turns to him and says, I mean, to you maybe, but I didn't make the movie for critics. I made it for 13 year olds. And every 13 year old that sees this movie laughs their ass off. Now I can never be the demographic for someone like a new Slipknot album, because ultimately the new Slipknot album can, is presumably for people who either were really into it the first time around. And I, uh, you know, I was too, I wasn't up on Slipknot back when they were cool. Uh, I was listening to Guar and getting made fun of for other things. Um, yeah. I, so the, the, it has no nostalgia function for me and I'm not a kid, so I don't get the visceral joy that one is supposed to get from like seven dudes banging on a trash can. We're wearing jumpsuits and, you know, playing like radio metal. Like it's good, but it's not like, I don't know. And it's good no, in the I, same I think, way I think, that good, I think that's mac totally and cheese fair. is good. Craft mac and cheese is delicious when I was eight years old and it's delicious now, but it's not lobster mac and cheese. Um, it's Velveeta and it will, it will always have that comforting, warm feeling in my bones when I eat it, but I have to be aware that it's Velveeta and that ultimately too much of it's going to make me sick. Gareth, did you ever hear the hamburger helper mixtape? We should link to that. We should link to that. Uh, Um, I I don't, we don't have hamburger (laughs) helper over here. We we've like, we, we don't season food. So Hamburger helper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a, you, you you live on a hell island. Well, soon you won't even have seasoning, so that's not that's not going to be an option on them. Actually, it looks like you guys might avoid Brexit. It gets it gets a little closer every day. That I'm going to give you false hope. So it hurts so much when you actually oh, yeah. Brexit. It's going to be great. Like they, they say, that a quarter of uh, businesses are going to close. A quarter. That's yeah. such an insane. Yeah, it's like a quarter of all business. Like walk down a street. Pick one uh, business in four and close it. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, that's so a, that's, that's that's cool. It's going to be like America. That's especially uh, badass because that's going to that's actually above like uh, an economically unsalable mm. number. Um, so like uh, it'll be like a quarter of businesses close and then like half of the remaining businesses close because like oh the strip can't afford upkeep because there aren't enough businesses in it. It'll be like dead mall syndrome. It'll just just snowball into uh, Mad Max shit. But um, yeah, yeah, uh, loving it. The weed weed is not going to get any better. It's it's already garbage. Oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. Even even when the cops are preoccupied uh, looking for real crime, there's still, nobody's going to prioritize, like, you know, oh, now the cops are watching us. We can take an extra hour and trim the weed. Uh, no. you know. <laughs> like, nope, it's still gonna come like all bushy yeah, and, and terrible. And stupid little bags with a picture of Bob Marley on. I hate those bags. Oh, god, yeah. <laughs> I've, been to, I've been to Canada yeah, recently I, and saw like what legal weed is like and how it, it yeah, it's kind of bougie and shit. And you know, it's all a bunch of like white people with dreadlocks running the stores, but you know, they have like trust funds and stuff. and they had small business loans to start their green herb emporium or whatever, but it's it's so much better than like the crappy illegal weed we get here. That's like grown in someone's attic, and it's just shit, and it's dry, and it hurts to smoke, and it's just awful. 
Um, yeah. I hate it. Uh, I, I go up there four times a year because my girlfriend lives up there. Um, and Andy lives up there and I write with him and, uh, I just, I love England. I prefer it there. So I'm always there and my God, the weed there, uh, it is, it is mm. terrible. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just, and, and it's weird because you also go into the bongs, the, the head shops there and your bongs aren't even like, don't even work no, the same they, way our bongs do. Garbage like, like plastic crap down, and it's like some plumbing. Yeah, the, gla- the glass ones. Ugh. Yeah, you can get them on Amazon now, thank God. Last time I was there, I Amazoned a bong to myself. So when I arrived at the place I was staying, there was just a bong oh, already there. Perfect. That saved me some That's time. A... But uh, yeah, the downstems in the head shops, this is like different gauges and shit. I don't know if it's because y'all use the metric system. <laughs> but uh, it, either way, uh, yeah. I, I hope that if anything comes out of Brexit, it's that uh, everybody there's a national reorganization of priorities and that maybe I'll legalize the weeds. And then I don't know, legalize weed and mandatory, some, some sort of mandatory rent control in London. So you guys don't have to pay like 2,500 bucks a month. Yeah, for rent. I, I got, I got London rent stories, but they're boring, but Mandatory rent control and mandatory free legal weed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change Britain. Britain's gonna fucking level the hell up. Also, you're gonna listen to that hamburger helper mixtape. Uh, I want. I want your reaction on air. Google. Google it right now and look at its cover. Okay, hold on. Gareth, we need. We need you to see <laughs> it. Jay is laughing because he's seen it. He knows what I'm asking mixtape? you to look at. Okay. Uh, Everyone at home, this is real. Hamburger Helper released a mixtape yeah. of experimental trap music, and it's fucking yeah, fire. Look at that cover. Here. Um, oh yeah, it's on Helper SoundCloud. Right yeah, that's that's um, where it. Is. The the Hamburger Helper guy, the little hand, his name is FB. So, uh, I don't know any of these artists, and they're all way too cool for me. I, I'm I'm gonna now play. Um, I, Hamburger helper. Who are the oh. artists? Let me just make sure they're not fictional artists. That you're. It's not that you. It may be not that you're not cool enough to know them. It may be that be, some dude in an ad agency went like, "Ha, ah, this would be funny." What does this sound okay. like a rapper? It's a name. guy called um, uh, produced by at it's Dandy. So I got the at. There's D D Quotron X zero zero Bobby Raps and DJ Tip. Uh, there's something called Watch the Stove. You know, like watch, watch throne. Uh, yeah, there's like a hamburger helper mixtape, isn't it? they? <laughs> have have you are are you seeing the cover of the mixtape? Yeah, it's a hamburger helper guy uh, covered in gold, and it's on the back of some gold leaf. It's got parental advisory. Uh huh. It's it's so it's it's so tight. Oh, this uh the track in love with the glow. At it's dandy. Let's uh let's play some. Yeah. Screw screw. Yeah. Okay. Feel yeah. Felt that. That was uh. Did, did, did that actually come through or the um, sound there? 
Okay, good. Okay. It did. It did. Good. I, oh, I have man, to cut it short because you know I don't want Helmberger help again on me with uh, takedown notices. You got to keep it below twenty seconds. I think. I think they uh, they released that with the Creative Commons license. Oh so wow! Okay. okay. Yep. Nice. Um, so, <laughs> so speaking of music, let's uh, end the show with some more more choice cuts from you, Jay. Um, so I asked you to think okay. of like any song you'd like to hear right now you'd like the people out there to hear and you know so what what is it what what do you want the world to hear is it anything off symbolic by death because i feel like it should be as a kind of apology uh, but um yeah you, know, you can still you can still pick whatever it could be off the hamburger helper so track if you want uh no i i the song waffle house by country death waffle house by country death Okay, I will, I'll I'll find that. Um, this is off my favorite, one of my favorite albums ever, and uh, I've always said that if I ever had a record label, it would be the first release and probably only release would be uh, something by Country Death. Country Death is the moniker of Brian Cameron, who has done stuff for uh, Everything Is Terrible. And is just a really, really talented musician and artist. And his shit is just hilarious and it's really touching and just super good. Damn. Okay. What was the artist's name again? Country Death. Country Death? Mm-hmm. Like uh like do you know the violent femme song, Country Death song? I don't know. Oh. The violent yes. femme song. But uh yeah. okay. I it's off of the album Anna's nice. Opera. Okay, I've yes. Googled it, and I've just found a link to the Nashville Waffle House shooting. Yeah, that's not okay. that one. No, that'll so, depress you. Uh-huh. Wow, that's a, a lot of people killing the Waffle House there. Um, <laughs> is this a spoken word album? Uh, sort of? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really like to c- categorize it, I guess. Um because all albums are spoken word albums, if you really think about it. If they got somebody talking, there's lyrics. Whoa. Um, it, it, yeah. That's why right. all lyrics albums Ooh. are bad. I yeah. said it. Wow. Oof. What are you that doing with these page. lyrics? Yeah. Get them out of here. Get them out. Of, get yeah. get these lyrics out. From fucking, I figured um, out. What's his name? William Shatner doing um, spoken word. And I don't need slam poetry. I'm here to hear uh, feedback, mostly. <laughs> Just feedback. Turn the gain up. Turn, turn the gain up. 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 You know, I can, I can turn the gain down post uh, production, right? You know, that's. A... I turned it back okay, down. Yeah. So don't muck about, or I'll turn it on to like some weird effect. Or I'll make you sound really high. I'll, I'll turn. <laughs> Put a ring modulator on me when the game is yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. Up. I'll just. It's like, <laughs> that's what you said anyway. It's just a bunch of noises. But uh, okay, so oh, hot take, all sound exactly. is exactly everything is a noise record when you think about it. Um, Boom! Big yeah. brain time. We're, okay, we're gonna we're gonna um, smoke some <laughs> shitty British weed and um, jam to some uh, Nashville Waffle House shooting soundtrack. And and um, yeah, so here uh, you could buy Jay's album free. That's it's really fucking good, actually. We should have talked about it some more, but you know we we talk about stuff. Um, 
If if you want, we could we, like I could plug it okay. real Go quick. Ahead. I I wasn't aware that the first. Uh, I'm just gonna preface this by saying I wasn't really aware that the first like even 30 minutes of this were recording. Oh, it feels yeah. like we, I thought we were just we, we got that shit. Little. And then at some point, yeah. So uh, on that note, I guess I should probably push this record. Um, so uh, yeah, it's out and it's been out since April. It was produced by Kurt Ballou. Uh, it's, uh, we worked real, real hard on it. It's going on Discogs for like 52 bucks right now, but you can buy it from normal places like Amazon for like 22 or some bullshit like that. I don't know. It's a good record. You should buy it because I don't know when the fuck they're going to repress it. And we worked really hard on it. And uh, uh, it looks like we're going to go on tour next year and promote it. So that'll be nice. And what uh, is and what is the name of your record? Tell the people the name of your record. Uh, name of that record is three, and then uh, I'm going into yeah. the studio with Jeff Ziegler in like two days to record this new record for Profound Lore. Uh, I'm ducking, um, but uh, for Profound Lore, called uh, uh, the name of the band's Executioner's Mass. The name of the record is called Despair Anthems. And it's me, it's Ryan from Intestinal Disgorge and the Howling Void and Numa Hagen. Uh, he's just a, one of the most talented, nicest dudes in the world. Finally getting recognized, opening for Mr. Bungle in nice. a few days. Uh, he's, it's him and me and uh, Craig Mickle, formerly of Lace, currently of Cop Warmth. And we're just, I don't know, we're pretending to be uh, a mix between AFI, the country teasers, UF's Maple, and a bunch of a bunch of stuff. Everybody would be like, "Yeah," and a bunch of people stuff. People would be like, "What?" So we just tell people it's an AFI ripoff. That's fine with me. And uh, yeah, I love yeah, AFI. I mean, Great band. I, so do we. Uh, and and despite the fact that we all are influenced by a bunch of other shit, the overarching thing we wanted to do, and we're fortunate, we're working with one of my favorite producers, Jeff Ziegler. And he, uh, we, we just were like, we want to make Sing the Sorrow again, mm. but now. And he okay. was like, done. I've heard, I've heard the songs. We can do that. So uh, uh, spring 2020, there's that. And then the, there's the one that's coming out now. And then uh, uh, Culted and Sleepwalkers and Dragged into Sunlight and a bunch of other people have stuff coming out that I'm on. So there's that. And then there's a movie that I'm doing a score for. And, I'm sure by the time this airs and is edited, there will be a bunch of other shit that I haven't Did talked you say about. It? So thanks so uh, much for will, having me on. It will be it will be out tomorrow. Nice. Yeah. Oh well, then then there will be uh, four albums that I haven't discussed that I'm recording as we speak, uh, and they'll be out. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this man's got our work ethic. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm I'm trying to compete with Buckethead, but not like that. Um, but no, uh, no, I really, really appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, and I, uh, despite not knowing what I, uh, what I said in the first half of this episode, I hope I don't get crucified for it. That's, that's, that's the best part. We try to catch the hot mic. Um, every person who shows up on our show is killed within 24 hours of appearing on it, which is a good record that we try to keep on. Not by us. Obviously we wouldn't, that would you know, no, it's it's nor- normally mm. domestic so, terrorists, angry mobs, pitchforks. That's, uh, it's 
hey, look, it seems like you have a better kill ratio than Guar in the 90s, uh, at least according to their interviews on Sar- Sally Jesse Raphael. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, do with with all the with all the dead guests? Do you just like stuff them stuff them right underneath all the microphones for for like uh, extra extra buffering? How does that work? Into, shape them into chairs mostly. The, um, there are a lot of chairs. I have a lot. I have a lot of chairs, Jay. I I, yeah, I don't know what to do with all of them. I don't know. I don't know this many people. <laughs> well, you're gonna see his chair soon enough. I guess. We'll be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you okay. so much cool. again, guys. See you around. And here's uh, um oh we didn't even like you didn't even pick a music thing. Oh yes, you did. Ah, oh, what a fuck. Uh, I'll cut that bit. Waffle song by country death. Okay. I, I sorry, my my brain is you know. Here's waffle song by country death. little girl sits with her dad in a waffle house just off the highway somewhere between uh, New Orleans and Jackson Mississippi they're on a tour of the south and the girl's a little road wary and she says to her dad dad what's it all about what's the meaning of life what what should I do here what are we doing here and the dad looks up from the menu for a second and says well that's easy sweetie you get money, fuck bitches. And the little girl says, Dad, I can't even anatomically fuck bitches. And the dad laughs and says, Sweetie, you're so fucking naive. This is America, baby. I mean, you could use a strap on, or hell, we could even surgically turn you into a man. And she says, Dad, I'm fucking dudes. Get over it. And he says, Sweetie, don't be such a bigot. Why don't you start trying to consider lesbian love? Because it's real, and it's a part of your life. And she says, Dad. And he says, Sweetie, fucking dudes gets you pregnant. 